So we are in a series called uh, Now and Forever, and in this series we're talking about life, the amazing life that we're called to in Christ, and it's such an amazing adventure, and, and God wants us to experience life, full and abundant, now and forever life. And so we're, we're looking at things uh, in that direction. And last week I said something that I just want to sort of reemphasize with you, that we're to live each day as people who understand that God gives us everything that we need for this life. And anything that he asks us to give, it's, it's out of stuff that he's already given us in life, every talent, ability, et cetera. He's poured those into us so they can continue to pour out of us. And, and I, wanted, I want you to connect with this picture. It's very important that out of the throne of God emanates life, now and forever life. The, the Apostle John, when he wrote, he called it like a river of water. He was trying to give you a picture, um, but it's, it's life. You know, it's, it's, it's this life that flows from the throne, and it flows into us, and then it's very important that that life flows out of us. That's a, if, if it stagnates in us, it, it, it's not good. Stagnant water isn't a good thing. So, so this life flows through us and out of us. And the, he makes it clear that everything we need to experience life, he's given us. So he's pouring it into us so it can pour out of us. And when we get a hold of that, it changes the way that we look at everything. And I want to continue to talk about that this week because it's so important in the time we live in that we understand that. So that's what we're heading into. And we're going to talk about that more over the next few weeks. Somebody texted me this joke this week. Wait. What do fish eat during Lent? Holy mackerel. <laughs> so I texted back, Holy mackerel? That joke really flounders. <laughs> I like my response better than the joke. What did the, what did the lazy anestoli, uh, anesthesiologist say before surgery? Knock yourself out. I kind of like that. But this one I did like, though. What do you call a guy in a pile of leaves? Russell. Isn't that great? Scripture reading. Mark 12, 28 through 31. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is, hear this. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So you've been coming here the last few weeks. You know, I've sort of been camped out in that little passage. And we're taking time to look at it. We, we talked about loving God with all our heart. I said, you know, our hearts are our control panel. And loving God with all our souls, about our personality and our emotions and Loving God with all our mind, that's our knowledge and our wisdom and our imagination. And loving God with all our strength is about living by trying to do the next right thing. We talked about that last week. Well, now Jesus adds to this most important thing, not that it's, you know, second anyway. He said, listen, as important as loving God all in is, you also need to love your neighbor as yourself. And what does that mean and what does that look like? And that this love that he's talking about, it springs from our all-in love for God. It's all tied into his love pouring into us. But what does it look like to love our, love our neighbors? And what does it look like to love ourselves? And, and what's he talking about? So we're going to spend a little time talking about those things. So point number one, I want to make sure that you see it's as you love yourself. We're to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And, and uh, 
What does it look like to love yourself? Well, you know, one of the ways that we love ourselves is that we take care of ourselves. If we're hungry, you know, we'll, we'll get something to eat. If we uh, have a need, we, we try and meet it. If we're treated badly, we think it's unfair. We, we try to do something about it. We, we do those things because we are thinking about ourselves. It's part of who we are. It's, in effect, uh, our nature to do what we think will make us happiest at the moment. That can cause us some real problems, too. But the idea of loving yourself in and of itself isn't a bad thing. Um, to hunger for food certainly isn't a bad thing. To, to want to be warm when it's cold isn't a bad thing. To want to be cool when it's hot uh, isn't a bad thing. You know, to want to be liked by others certainly isn't a bad thing. Uh, um, but where it can become a problem is if we get so consumed with um, us at the center of the story that we get self-focused or self-obsessed and we begin to miss the bigger picture. That can become a real problem. That leads us to move in wrong directions. Also, there's some extremes where people don't, don't know how to take care of themselves very well and everything, and that's certainly an issue as well. But by and large, I would say that, that most of us, you know, understand the idea that we really do want to experience life uh, and sort of a fulfilled life in the process. So we need to hang into this balance. The idea that we talk about here all the time, that this life, it's certainly not all about us. We're not the center of the story. He is. But it is some about us, and that's important to hang on to, or else we're never going to be able to do this part of loving our neighbor as ourselves. And the reality is that commandment isn't to love yourself. The command is to love your neighbor. Jesus is assuming that you love yourself, uh, that, that you will do these things in order to have a life that's part of who you are. He's created you in order to have that basically wired in to what's happening. So I would think, because of that, it's fair to say that most of us are looking to be fulfilled in our lives. And we're either going to go after it illegitimately or we're going to find the Lord and we're going to go after it in an appropriate and legitimate way. But we're searching for a fulfilled life. I got an email this week from a credit card and it actually said this, live a fulfilled life with one of our $5,000 personal loans. It's 6.9%. <laughs> I mean, you know, five grand would be great, but not if you got to pay it back, right? <laughs> That's 6.9%. So I, I just thought it was funny with, with things that were going on in the week. We had to, you know, Alice and I, we, um, we recarpeted our bedroom this week. With car I did carpet squares, you know, because it's easier and it, it was time. So we're doing it. And it's, it's funny because I, it started out well, but it, I don't know about you, but getting up and down gets hard over time. Anybody else in sort of my category that would say, start strong. And then it's like, okay, I'm not getting up anymore. Bring me what I need. <laughs> I'm down here. I'm staying down here. And we, so we worked that day, and we got it done, you know, and we, we did it, we, we did it, it was very nice, we had it all done, and, and literally within 30 minutes, my dog puked on it. <laughs> I'm looking, at, and I'm like, what is that? Is it like one of the stuffed animal play things? The dog puked on the car. Seriously? It's brand new. That's why I went with carpet squares. Rip that baby up, put a new one in. Anyway. Beside this point. So, we're, we're looking for, we're searching for life. Um, there, one of the ways I know that, there are 43,000 different books in print that are self-help books. 43,000. So, it's a pretty important, that's a lot of books written on the subject of self-help. Most of them are based on a, uh, a theory uh, that comes back from way back in 1943 
by a guy named Abraham Maslow, and you might have heard of him when you were going through school. He came up with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And he developed this thought, and, and basically every self-help book that you read follows this particular pattern, and it's, it's sort of a pyramid. And at the bottom, the first thing you have to have your psychological needs met, food, water, sleep, those sort of things. Then if you get that, you have your safety needs and, and your security. And then after that, you can have you know, your love and your belonging. And then if you get that, you, you get some self-esteem and you, you start to feel good. And then at the top of his little chart was something he called self-actualization. And that has all sorts of different terms now, but, but if you get all these things, if you get all your ducks in a row and everything, then you can begin to experience life and, and it becomes really about all who you are and everything, you know, and, and be all you can be and all the stuff that they promise in self-help books. So because we've been bombarded by that in our culture now for the, since 1943, in effect, that's crept its way into the way that we think life works, even in the way that we think life works in the truth and, and the church. And so we're, we're often in our own strength trying to get everything lined up so that we can hit this point of self-actualization. But see, the, the reality is there's something better than that. And even Maslow figured it out. Um, uh, he had some sort of epiphany later on in life. I, I, you know, I hope he came to know Jesus, but I don't know that or any, I don't have any proof of that. But all of a sudden, he comes back. And this doesn't get recorded in any of the self-help books. He goes, oops, I kind of missed it. That's not the top of the chart, self-actualization. That's really not it. Because, uh, you know, we, a, lot of, a lot of people have tried that, and they sort of hit that point, and guess what? Still not getting life out of it. Something missing. And, and he said this. This is pretty good. He said, people live a fulfilled life, they become all that they were created to be when they're pouring themselves into others and leaving a legacy that is beyond themselves. He said, there's another thing, it's called transcendence, that's what he called it. But what he figured out is what the Bible's always told us by, by just, you know, and you, what, how about love your neighbor as yourself? Do you get, you, you love yourself and then you're loving others and that's when life begins to make sense. When you get into this flow of life and it's pouring from the throne room to you and it's flowing out of you, that's when it all begins to make sense. And that's when we begin to experience life. So our journey isn't, you know, all about us. It's, it's, it's us, you know, moving together in the Lord so that we can then let life continue to flow out of us into the world around us, to the people we love and to our families and our children and our friends and our neighbors and our community and to the lost and life continues on. So, so at the heart of this amazing life, it's, it's us looking for and moving into fulfilled life, realizing somehow that it's as we surrender to God that we actually begin to experience. It's not about us making it work and getting everything lined up. It's trusting Him to do it. Now, the Apostle Paul, he prays this amazing prayer in Ephesians 3. It actually becomes an early prayer book of the church. And uh, this was Paul's prayer for people on this journey, and this is under point number two, fully engaging the now and forever life. How do we engage this life? And I want to read you the prayer in Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. There's four things that Paul is really bringing out in that prayer that we need to be aware of on this journey that we're all on in life. Little letter A. We have to go from lost to saved. That's where it starts. That's the beginning point. He prayed it this way in verse 17. 
I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And that's the beginning of it, to come to know who Jesus is, to come to understand what Jesus has done for you, to move from lost to saved. We were all trapped in the kingdom of darkness because all of us had sinned. You, you know the, the basis of, of what we believe, that, that God is perfect. He created us to love us. We all chose to go our own way. When we did, we couldn't be in the presence of a perfect God any longer because we were no longer perfect. Huge problem in, in the process. We can't fix that in our own strength. You can't go back from not being perfect to perfect in your own strength. There's no way to make that happen. You can be a pretty good person, but that's the best you can do. It doesn't fix the problem. So God fixes it how? He comes. Jesus enters the scene, fully God, fully man. He comes and lives the perfect sinless life that we couldn't. And then he willingly takes that life to the cross where he exchanges his life for ours, where he sheds his blood to cover our sin, and he gives it all there at the cross for us, and he dies. And then he defeats death, and he rises again. And in that process, he makes a way for us to be reconciled to God. Because when we come into the knowledge of Christ and we accept him by faith into our hearts and lives, what happens then is God chooses to see us through the perfection of his son and all that mess that we've got going on. He doesn't even see it anymore. We're justified. That's the amazing thing that takes place for us when we go from being lost to saved. And that's what he wants for us. Life starts there in that part of the process. And so we have to move in this life from being lost to saved. We have to have this movement where we get the idea of who Jesus is and what he's done, and we accept that, and we're moving towards him. Listen, and the church, because you are the church, has to embrace that as well. The church needs to be involved in the world in such a way that it's seeing other people move from darkness to light, from lost to saved. If the church isn't doing it, it's missed the entire point of why it's here. So we're so blessed here that, that every year we see hundreds of people go from lost to say hundreds. It shouldn't happen in a little place like this, but it happens year after year after year after year. It fascinates me at the goodness of God to watch him doing the things that he does because it's about him and it's part of the process. So that's sort of the first part of the prayer. Then B, you got to get past your yesterdays. Ephesians 1.18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. Now, this is really important, this idea. Um, get past your yesterdays. Uh, uh, get rid of the junk in your lives. Get, get things refocused, if you would, however you may want to call this. Um, we've all got a lot of mess in this life, but, but here's what Paul says. Listen, get an idea of who Jesus is. Come to faith in him so that your life begins this now and forever life. And then you're moving process. And then the way that you look at things needs to change. We have to quit seeing everything with us at the center of the story and how everything has impacted us. And we begin to start seeing things the way that he does. We get a bigger picture of things. Paul says, I want the eyes of your heart to be enlightened so you can see things differently so that you can know what? The hope to which he's called you. Hope. See, this is so important. Hope. The, the hope to which he's called to, the hope that we have of life now and forever. And, and the world needs that hope. The, the darkness is, is horrible in the world. The, the, the attack, you know, I've told you from the beginning, the enemy, we have a very real enemy. What's he want to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. He's, he's really good at it. And it's horrific to watch what takes place. I'm sure like you, you know, this week I was crying 
because I can't fathom the, the, the darkness. And I see everybody, you know, scrambling around trying to respond. But the response is to bring light into the darkness. It's to bring hope into the world. They need hope. They need to know Jesus. And, and the only way it's going to happen is if we're living this life in such a way that it's attractive to people. That they go, they've got something. I don't know what it is, but there's something. And I'm desperate for something. So they, they, they move into the journey. They move into the process because we're living it. And we can't live that if we get stuck in the mess that happens to us. And here's the deal. Issues take place. We will never get past the issues of life. There's going to be hard things that we have to endure. There's going to be sadness. There's going to be tragedy. There's going to be things that happen to us that shouldn't happen because we live in a fallen world on a broken planet. But when we know Jesus, we always have hope because we know that he's involved and that he's got us and that he's with us and that he's for us and there's a future. And we have all those things. And we're to live with that understanding. And it makes a huge difference. We can't get stuck. Paul, you know, so, so let me, so Paul went through a lot of stuff in his life, right? At one point in time, Paul got uh, whipped 39 times, lashed 39 times. They call it the 40 minus 1. You know why they did, they, they figured they'd kill you if they did 40. So they hold off on 1. But I would call that a pretty big deal, right? Me personally, if somebody whipped me 39 times, I think that was pretty good. At one point in time, Paul is stoned to death. We, you know, it's very possible he died and came back, but, but literally to death. Uh, and stoned, I'm talking about they threw rocks at him, not the other stuff. All right? So we're all on the same page. And wow, he got really stoned. Wow, he died. Okay, so literally a group of people throwing rocks at him to the point that he dies. So, so bear with me. So, Paul, so these things happen in Paul's life. All sorts of other stuff too. I got shipwrecked, all sorts of bad stuff happening, right? All while he was trying to do the next right thing in the process. And then if you get a chance, read 2 Corinthians 4. You know what he says? He calls that, you know what he calls those things? Slight momentary affliction. Well, no, that should, that should be like, what? Would you call that slight momentary affliction? I wouldn't. If that happened to me, that's all I talk about. I'd start every conversation. Let me tell you about the time I got whipped <laughs> on the time I got stoned. But he doesn't. Why, why doesn't he? Because he wants people to focus on the hope that we've been called to. And he said, compared to that hope, that stuff's nothing. In, the, in, the, you know, in eternity, it's nothing. And if we get focused on our yesterdays, that's where we get stuck. So we, we have to move past them, and it's very important. You get an idea of who Jesus is, and you start seeing how great this hope is and what a difference this hope can make, and, and you keep pressing in on that because, see, we have a life of purpose. See, we've got a mission. We, we're here on purpose. We're, we're to be the people that, that help bring this light into the darkness. We're to be the people that make a difference in the world around us for Him. And so, see, we have a life of purpose. Verse 18, uh, the rest of it, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Uh, at some level, he's saying here that we're God's inheritance, and that's amazing. And, and at the same time, he's given us an inheritance in this life. I, I read you this verse last week, so I'm just going to mention it again in 2 Peter 3, or 1, 3 and 4. And he said that, uh, it said, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness so that we can participate in the divine nature. So uh, our inheritance is that he's already given us in Christ everything we need for this life and the forever life. It's, he's already given it. He's already poured into us gifts and talents and abilities. This life, you know, it's come from the throne. It's pouring into us everything that we need. 
so that we can make a difference in the world around us. And so, again, this prayer is saying, look, you got to know Jesus, and you got to know that he's got you and that you got to move past this stuff. Don't get stuck there because you have a purpose, and it's really important because the world needs to know this hope to which you've been called to. And then he says, and don't forget, you've been empowered to do the whole thing. That's little letter D. He empowers us to live this life. So he doesn't just give us the tools. He also gives us the power, the Holy Spirit. When, when we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, empowers us with the power of God. So, so it, it's, it's all these things you need to see are happening in your life. You, you go from lost to saved. Listen, if you've never done that part, now's the perfect day. If you haven't gone from lost to saved, if you haven't come to a place in your life where you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, where you've just get to the reality of life that you've blown it like everybody else and you're going your own way and you've gone your own way, you've sinned, and it's caused you an issue with God, and that just being a good person isn't enough. When you get to that point, if you haven't done it before, today could be the day, and, and really the way that you connect, the way that it starts is just that realization and, and humility saying to God, wow, I have messed up. Will you forgive me? And he does. And then in faith, Jesus, I want to know you more. Would you be my Lord and my Savior? I want to live for you. Look, if you've never done that, do it today. That's the way you start this journey, and, and do it. And, and, then, and then, you know, once you've done that, and all of us, we're moving from lost to saved, then, then we start, you know, taking root into this life that we've been called into, and, and the hope, we always are thinking about the hope that he's called us to, and how desperately the world needs his hope, so we have purpose, we have mission, and we're to live this life in a way that makes a difference, and he hasn't asked us to do it without already empowering us and giving us everything that we need to do it, and when we engage in that, See, and when we're with people that are engaged in that, you start seeing the difference. You start seeing other people now from going from lost to saved. And you start seeing other people getting unstuck and starting to experience life. And you start seeing, you know, other people having a purpose as well and figuring out that there really is life. And you start seeing them empowered to do the same thing. That's what the church does when it gets together. That's when we're really engaging in this life. That's what he's calling us to. And so I want you to think about those things this week and what that means and how that looks in your life. Don't forget the little spiritual habits I've asked you to develop. And, continue, you know, Lord, little prayer every day. Lord, I want to know you more, love you better. Don't forget, every day. That's simple, right? There's a little Bible verse coming up on the website every, every day. Just go read it. Think about it during the day. And then I said, let's memorize Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Remember last week, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice this week. If you're just going a verse at a time, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Just get that in your, get that in your knower. All right, because that's really important. And then um, I'm gonna, I have more to say about this next week, believe it or not. So uh, we'll pick it up right there. Ministry team, those are here. Why don't you head over to the wall? People in the way over the wall are here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get it. But let me pray for you as a group. And we'll dismiss. <laughs>